0: Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Brush Clearing Services. Are you interested in building a healthy, sustainable habitat for a wide range of wildlife? If so, Brush Clearing Services and their 20 years of wildlife management experience should be your first choice. Brush Clearing Services' environmental clearing treatment selectively removes vegetation, leaving desirable trees and root structures undisturbed mulch left on site accelerates natural decomposition and reduces soil erosion while increasing soil moisture check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them 7067181690 well I'm your host Joe Baya and today we're going to be defining what a compact tractor really is and the answer might surprise you we're going to be digging into everything you need to know when it comes to these small, or small-ish tractors uh, that fit your needs and your budget. But before we get there, let's go check in and get another current timber market update with Jonathan Smith of Timber Mart South. So, Jonathan, what data set are we looking at today for the state of Georgia? We are looking at fourth quarter 2020 information. All right. Well, last time we talked, Florida was still pretty flat. And we want to know: Is Georgia any different? Does crossing a state line make a difference in timber prices? What's going on in the in the pine markets?
1: Well, unfortunately, everything has really been flat in Georgia, uh, especially if you compare to the previous four quarters. But I'll just tell you: Pine saw timber in uh, Georgia has averaged almost twenty-five dollars a ton. Um, pine chipping saw uh, is around 1860 a ton and uh pine pulpwood at 1161 a ton.
0: You know, Jonathan, when we talked last, you know, Florida was flat, but it averages a little bit higher in, in those different classes. So I think last time we were at $29 a ton for saw timber, uh, 20, roughly 24, uh, for the chip and saw and about 13 for pulpwood. What are the differences? Why is Florida timber worth more? Is it, is it the markets around it? What drives that?
1: Uh, it's the, the markets and the availability of the timber and, and Georgia also, you know, you've got pretty diverse, uh, terrain. You, you go up to North Georgia versus your coastal flatwoods. You, you have a pretty different price span there. And, and we're looking at state averages here. If you, uh, you have our subscription and you can see georgia 2 is more in line with uh florida averages uh, because georgia 2 acts a lot more like uh, florida 1 and 2
0: mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense being able to dig in deeper if you're a landowner in any specific region of the state not just look at state averages uh would be important what about hardwood any any bright spots there
1: Hardwood, same story. Uh, Very flat uh, when you compare it to the previous four quarters, uh, or even uh, quarter over quarter, year over year. Um, Hardwood saw timber was uh, right around thirty-two and a quarter, and uh, hardwood pulpwood was right around nine dollars and almost twenty cents.
0: And that's a little bit higher than Florida. Is that is that because of the grade of the of the timber itself or availability? Uh, why would it Why would it then reverse when we start talking about hardwood?
1: Well, again, you've got your uh, influence of your uh, northern markets as well as Beasley Forest Products is is a pretty big uh, hardwood facility. They are located in uh, Georgia region too. So you know that. That you they usually follow where the markets are. So if you just look at the uh, the inventory that you have, uh, more of your higher grade hardwoods are more further north or or more inland than uh, your Florida markets.
0: Jonathan, last time we had you on, we were talking about pulp prices and how those markets were skyrocketing, and it, it seems to be due to speculation. We haven't seen any uh, relation to, to the pulp wood market and, you know, any increase or anything like that yet, when you see these, these, like I saw an article in wall street journal talking about pulp prices, just being through the roof. Okay. When you see that kind of thing, if that does end up relating back to the pulp wood market, does it relate to both pine and hardwood or will it favor one or the other?
1: Well, generally it will favor, um, Whichever pulp price is uh moving up the most, and what they're having the most difficulty uh, getting into the meal, uh, one thing for landowners to remember, and uh, we don't necessarily like to think of it this way, but what the landowner gets is truly a residual price so it all it all starts with those pulp prices. That determines how much revenue the mills can bring in for selling their finished product. And then really and truly, it depends on how difficult it is for those mills to get the, the logs that they need to, to provide the furnish for their mills. So uh, that's why weather is such an important driver for the landowner. Uh, when it's wet and uh, the loggers are having a hard time getting the wood out of the mills, I mean, the wood out of the woods, we usually see some, some price appreciation. Uh, but uh, if it's really dry and there's not really much of a barrier there, uh, that's usually when you see the, the prices for the landowner uh, edging back downward.
0: Well, it's we've certainly had plenty of moisture and uh r- remains to be seen yet, but we will definitely look forward to talking to you again and and look reviewing Q1 of 2021 uh to see if any of these, you know, market indicators end up creating an increase in uh any of these different classes prices. Uh that's going to be interesting to kind of watch it and see if if we can predict this at all anything else going on in Georgia? Uh, You know, any news and note mill openings or closures or anything like that?
1: Uh, there have been some announcements. Most of them are in some, uh, restructuring, uh, Interfor announced, uh, some upgrade plans for, uh, two facilities, uh, their Eatonton and Thomaston mills that would just, uh, improve some of their efficiency there. Then for, uh, re- biomass Renewable Biomass Group announced a new pu- a new pellet facility in Adale, Georgia. So there's some uh, optimistic optimism there for uh, some of your smaller, uh, lower grade pine pulpwood type stuff. And then as far as some restructuring, West Brazier. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in the news, but they acquired Norboard, so they're expanding their operations. Uh, into the OSB uh, marketplace Uh, that will affect one Mill and cordill Uh, and then uh, universal forest products acquired pallet one and there's three facilities in uh, south Georgia that will be affected but that's primarily just a name change and uh, some uh, I'm not sure uh, just really a name change there and then uh The other news of note, and we talked about this a little bit with uh, Florida, but uh, International Paper announced that they were spinning off their paper mills, and uh, that will affect three facilities in Georgia. Uh, That'll be over at Oglethorpe and uh, then down in Port Wentworth and Savannah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, I think this is driven by the stock market, by Wall Street, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that affects the timber markets going forward with the spin-off of those paper mills.
0: Well, Jonathan, this year has been the year of the new landowner for sure. We have sold more land to people as their first, you know, first large acreage purchase, you know, that I can really count. It's, it's been awesome to see all the new people getting into the market. And one of the things that they, they run into uh, when they're getting ready to do their first timber harvest is, they, you know, they want to know what the current price is right there in their market today. Uh, so they can go ahead and figure out what kind of proceeds they can expect if they go in and harvest right now. If somebody wants to, you know, keep an eye on their market, definitely a subscription to Timber South is going to help them do that and, and keep an eye on what's been going on. But if they want to reach out to somebody locally and, and get an idea of what their wood is worth uh, right now, what, where do you recommend they go? That's a great
1: question, Joe. And and that's one that we get often. Uh, we, we are, like you say, you know, we're we're knocking on the first quarter 2021 here. Uh, so we're somewhat old and dated at this point uh, in the quarter. But we, we always recommend that the landowners reach out to a local consultant. Uh, most of your state agencies, uh, whether it be the Forestry Association or the Forestry Commission, as it is in Georgia, uh, a lot of those will have, uh, resource within their resources. They'll have a directory of, uh, consultants, uh, to help manage as well as buyers in the marketplaces. Uh, and we also recommend, uh, the association of consulting foresters, which is a national, uh, group of consulting foresters. And they, they also have a directory and, uh, you can get to a, a uh consultant or a landowner representative through those means I like to refer to a, a consultant as a, a real estate agent for your timber, if you will
0: yeah, absolutely you got to get somebody in your corner, whether it's you know dealing with a land sale or a timber sale you got to make sure that you know the person that's advising you is has your has your best interests at heart well, Jonathan, thanks again for this week's current timber market update if folks want to look you guys up and and check out a subscription how do they do that
1: oh yes uh, please, please come see us the best way to uh, get our information is probably to log into our website uh, or look us up on the internet www.timbermart-south.com
0: all right folks well that's going to wrap it up for the timber market update and this week it's been brought to you by Farm Credit of Northwest Florida, they believe you deserve the opportunity to pursue your dreams to grow, whether that is through building a homestead, a rural retreat, or building an agricultural enterprise. Choosing your lender and applying for a loan can seem overwhelming, but for over 100 years, they've helped people just like you eliminate the unexpected and secure financing. They do it by helping you explore your options so you can apply with confidence and get started living your dream in the country. Check them out online at www.gorural.net or give them a call at 855 go rural. Springtime means planting, it means getting those summer food plots in, it means getting back to work on your land. And one of the big questions that we see a lot, did a show a while back on what size tractor you need. But then from that point, a lot of people are interested in learning more about compact tractors. There's, there's a lot of vernacular that gets thrown around uh, when people are talking about how much land they need or how much land they have and they need to work, uh, what size tractor they need, whether that's even a compact tractor or not. And so today what we're gonna be doing is clarifying how you can choose the right compact tractor for your land uh if you're in that market to do that joining us is mike hubbard mike is the sales manager at the carrollton georgia sun south dealership mike welcome to hunting land man tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys got going on in carrollton
2: well thank you for having me uh, my name is mike hubbard i'm at the sun south location in carrollton georgia and we got a lot going on this is that time of year everybody's out and about and they got household chores or things they want to do around the house so it's just a busy time of year people are buying tractors all the implements to plant gardens put in food plots or such whatever they need to do
0: well that's a fact it seems like the springtime is the busiest time of year it's almost it's it's a little overwhelming seems like you can't get it all done and in the land market is the same i mean people are buying land as they buy that piece of land, though, what often comes up is, you know, they get they get to the closing day and they're excited and then they go, all right, now I got to take care of this place. What do I really need to have uh, to to accomplish that? And for most places, a compact tractor is enough. But before we dig into the choosing the right one, let's get on the same page with regards to uh, vocabulary. So. What makes a compact tractor compact? Well, you have a
2: subcompact and a compact tractor. And basically what we're talking about is the size frame and horsepower of the tractor. So basically that is it. You have a subcompact, a compact, and a utility. But what we're talking about today is subcompact and compact tractors. It is just basically size of the tractor. People nowadays want smaller size tractors were more horsepower so basically that's the way the trend has been going over the last i'll say four or five years
0: and so where is the dividing line is there a dividing line on horsepower to step up so if we said all right subcompact is this horsepower to this compact is this to this is there a line like that where you say nope that's subcompact or nope that's utility
2: no there's really not a line it's just uh, once again it's just the size of the tractor Subcompact, we would probably consider our one, maybe two series. Compact is three to four series, tractors of John Deere's.
0: And so in those series, like the one to two series, what kind of horsepower are we looking at? And same thing for the three to four.
2: The one series, you're looking at anywhere from a 23 to a 25. And the two series, you're looking from a 25 to a 38. In the three series, you're looking from a uh, 25 to a 43. In the four series, you're looking for a 44 to a 66 horsepower.
0: Gotcha. That gets us on the same page as the type of the size tractor we're talking about. But, you know, I see it all the time in all facets of life. People get stuck on this one mindset of like, I've got to have this. I mean, I got to have a half ton truck or I got to have a three quarter ton truck or I need a compact truck. I mean, when, when folks are asking those kind of questions, what, what do you think they should be asking before they decide I need this much horsepower or I need this size tractor before they make that purchase? What kind of questions do they need to ask themselves about their needs? Well, that's the whole thing is find out what do they need, what
2: they, what they're going to do with the tractor, what size implement they're going to plan on running or attachments type of loader. I mean, you know, I, I run into it all the time. People come in here, they really don't know what they need, and I find out how much acreage they have. Just because you have, say, 20, 25 acres, doesn't mean you go work 20, 25 acres. Next question I usually ask is how many workable acres? Well, I'm going to work maybe five or six acres and keep the rest uh, natural and maybe bush hog every once in a while. So then you can clarify or put them in or qualify them for what type of tractor they're looking for, what horsepower. Then you can go by the implement. They want to run four, five, six foot equipment, uh, how much loaded capacity they're looking for. And it's, you know, just different options on the tractor, also. If they want a power reversal or e-hydro, it's just
0: different options they want on the tractor. Well, I'm gonna be the guinea pig today, and we'll just use me as an example. I, I own say a hundred and seventy-four-acre piece of land, and I've got about between roads and food plots. Right now we've got about five acres that we've got a keep either bush hog dist planted in some manner. We're going to be expanding that over time, probably end up somewhere in the 15 to 20 acre range. Not all that's going to have to be dist and planted, but that will be a a good portion of that. Maybe 10%, maybe 15 acres is going to be dist and planted in some manner. And then I'm going to have to bush hog roads and maintain the property itself. So for someone like me, who's in that that range, what where would you tell me that I'd need to end up?
2: Well, I would probably start by asking what size equipment you plan on running. If you're going to be maintaining, say, three to 15 acres eventually, are you going to be bush hogging? Are you going to use a box blade? You're going to use a Harris, or whatever, if you say five or six foot. I will start out with a three series, maybe a thirty-two horse, because you're gonna need a little bit more horsepower just because of the acreage. And then you could go with the different options on the tractor. John Deere, we have three different options. You can go to three E, which is a hydrostat, which does not have does not have cruise control. You have to hold your foot down. You can add cruise control to it, or you can go to our new three D, which is a Gear-driven tractor. You put it in gear, let your foot off clutch, you're going about your business. Or if you want to upgrade to a whole lot more options, and uh, the way I clarify it, it's like the you have a uh, GM product. You have a Buick, a Chevrolet, and a Cadillac. Well, our Cadillac is the R-Series. It's got all the bells and the whistles and the options and the features that makes your life a whole lot easier. But then again, it, it comes with an expense. So that's why I would clarify what you know, where you want to go and look what you want to get out of the tractor, what you plan on doing with the tractor.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you say, first off, defining how much acreage you you currently need to work, and then also, but thinking about the future here is that we're going to build more food plots and uh, establish more fire breaks and access roads, and so we're we're planning on having to work more land than we currently have to work. I would imagine that that's going to factor in. Let me ask you this, so one thing I've always noticed if we take this analogy over to the trailer truck and trailer world is that, you know, if I've got a 10,000 pound trailer, I don't want to have a vehicle that can tow 10,000 pounds. I want to have a vehicle that can tow probably 15,000 pounds. Cause I like to not really be buttoned up against the limit of my equipment. Does that apply to tractors right. as well? I mean, do you want to kind of buy a little bit more horsepower than you, you absolutely need? And what's your, what's your recommendation there?
2: Well, see, there's a misconception about horsepower. When you go deal with horsepower of a tractor, and when you go deal with implements, the implements are not considered engine horsepower, it's considered PTO horsepower. And your PTO horsepower is always going to be less than your engine horsepower. So say if you take a 32 horsepower tractor and all you're gonna run is five foot equipment, if that five foot equipment doesn't require for like 27 PTO. I mean a 20 in 20 to 25 PTO. And you're gonna have a 27 PTO tractor. So you got enough tractor to run your implements and you won't hurt it. I've had people come here numerous times on a 38 horsepower, a 30-38 horsepower tractor in the same frame as the 32, same loader. And my number, que- number one question to them is this, I said, why do you want the extra PTO horsepower if you're gonna run a five foot equipment? I said, now, if you wanna spend the extra money, hey, I'll sell it to you, but you don't need it. It's not necessary. Cause right. you're not, now, if you plan on the future to run a six foot equipment, You don't want the 32 horse. You want the 38 or the 43 horse. Then you got enough PTO horsepower to run them implements.
0: Gotcha. So first off, like you said, you got to ask yourself how much acreage, but then what kind of implements are you going to run is really more important. It sounds like because you're you're trying to make sure you got enough horsepower to run that PTO. Now, I want to take you back to what you said about the the three series tractors you're talking about the three e which is your hydrostatic transmission the three d the the new gear driven transmission now right what would make me choose one or the other i've driven both and i can tell you like from my experience you know i didn't grow up on a tractor i didn't spend a lot of time on a tractor that's something i've gotten into as an adult i'm not the most skilled you know driver so that hydrostatic has been nice for me. I feel like it's made me be able to run that tractor better than I could with a gear-driven tractor, but I haven't spent near as much time on a gear-driven. So why, why the difference? And why would somebody choose one or the other?
2: Well, the, basically, the difference is simplicity. With the e-hydro, you get, we have a twin pedal system. So basically, you have one you press down for forward and press down for reverse, if you press it down on that foot, the further you press it down, the faster you're going to go. So therefore, if you're working that tractor and if it begins to bog down, you can let off the pedal so the RPMs can catch up. Now, the, on the other end, on the other side, say if you're bush hogging 10 acres, you've got to hold your foot down unless you want to spend a little bit extra money and get the optional cruise control. But on the gear driven, you've got a lot of Folks who've been operating tractors, they don't want e-hydro. They want a gear-driven tractor where they select a A, B, or C range, one, two, three, four. Let the foot off the clutch and then go on about to business. Now on our, our tractors, they do what we—they do have a trans. There are options on that. You got the e-hydro. Got the, uh, you got the—you can actually push a button. So therefore,
1: if the uh,
2: tractor begins to slow down. The engine RPMs will automatically go up, so that tractor will technically will never bog down. But that is on our R tractor.
0: Well, I've definitely bogged down my share of tractors not knowing what I was doing.
2: So,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you but know. that's what I'm saying. And another another thing,
2: also, let me let me say this: another thing about the clutch. A lot of people have a tendency of taking that left foot and riding that clutch, leaving it on that clutch. Mm. Well, guess what you're doing? You're wearing that clutch out, and you can wear the clutch place. You've got to replace the clutch. And so, you know, it's just basically what you're used to running. But to the novice, to the the person who's never owned a tractor, basically it's like a lawnmower. You go by, it's got twin pedals. The further you press the pedal down, the faster you're going to go. It's just simplicity. Yeah. And with ours... You can push, we have a PTO button. You don't have to stop like some of my competitors and push in the clutch to engage the PTO. Mine, you push a button up, you push a button down. So if you're a bush hog and if you need to stop, you can. You don't have to stop the tractor. You don't have to push no clutch in. You push the button down, it cuts off, pull the button up, cuts right back on, and you can keep on working. It's it's all about simplicity.
0: Yeah, and I I can tell you from my experience that when you're out there and you're working – especially if if you're new to tractors, you're going to forget to do something in the, in the sequence that you're supposed to do it in, you know? So the simplicity is a great thing, uh, to keep you from, from tearing your equipment up. Now, going back to the gear driven versus hydrostat question, you know, you mentioned that, that a lot of folks like that gear driven if because if they're say bush in a big field and they're just going long, you know, long way in a, in a, in a straight line, They like to just lock it in and let it ride with the hydrostat with cruise control. It sounds like you have the best of both worlds. So, you know, is the gear is the cruise control aspect of being gear driven? The only advantage to that, or is there longevity in gear driven over say a hydrostat or is it simpler mechanisms?
2: No, because John Deere's had a hydrostat for over 30 some years. And basically on our three E's, which there do not come standard with the uh, cruise control. It's an additional cost. So you're going to have additional cost there. So it's going to make the cost of the tractor be a little bit higher than then on the gear driven. Gotcha.
0: Now let's take it back to what you first said. Now we, we talked about size implements and, and how horsepower plays into that, but I want to go a little bit deeper on the amount of land that you're, you're having to work. You know, when you say that, do you just mean. The amount of land that you're having to, to drive over? Or does the type of work that you're doing play into it? So, for example, if all I got to do is bush hog, does that change your opinion of what's necessary versus if I'm planning on bush hogging, tilling, you know, spreading seed and fertilizer, maybe dragging a, uh, rolling over the top of your seed? Yeah, cultivator. Yeah, yeah cultivator. That's what I was looking for. Basically, it's all about the size of equipment. Like I said, you take the 32 or some 25
2: horsepower tracks that we have in our three series, you can run five foot equipment. All day long and you won't hurt the tractor. But then again, say if you're say if you're doing fifteen acres, okay, and you want to do it a little bit quicker, you want to go to a six foot piece of equipment. Well, and to say the three series is not say the frame is not big enough for you, but you need a little bit more loader capacity. Like our loader on our three E series gonna lift up to eleven hundred and eighty-seven pounds. Well, you can go to a four series. A so 44M and outlower is going to lift up to 2,500 pounds, but you got a little bit bigger frame tractor where it's going to carry some six foot and even some seven foot equipment. And it all depends how quick you want to get it done. Technically, I could put you in a one series tractor if you push all the 20, 20, 15, 20 acres with a four foot cutter. It's going to take you a day and a half, but if you want to spend that extra money and run five or six foot equipment, you can go to the three series or the four series tractor.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And you think about the, you know, the types of people that own land, there's a lot of different needs there. So you take the guy that lives on his acreage, he may be able to do his bush hogging in the evenings when he gets home from work, maybe spend 45 minutes on the tractor, you know, for several days. And that's okay with him. Heck, maybe, maybe that's right. what he likes to do. But you take a guy who owns some hunting land three hours away from his house. He's got to get those food plots in and get those roads bush hogged over a weekend right. and
2: and so we call them part-time farmers. And yeah. like you said, this is, this is the man who's working Monday through Friday. And when he gets to his hunt property or his – some people have a lot of resorts they go to in the weekend. He doesn't want to spend half the day Saturday trying to get his tractor cranked, this, that, and other. So they're looking for reliability. Something's going to start. Plus, they're looking for a dealership if, that we are here on Saturdays. If something happens, he can make a phone call, and we can hopefully get him squared away where he can get up and running. And we have the parts here. So, I mean, it goes just more just on, um, just, just the brand or the tractor. You got to have service ability and parts availability because a lot of our customers, like I said, they work Monday through Friday
0: Absolutely. and the only
2: time they have to do something is on the weekends.
0: That's a, uh, probably I would say, you know, in the, in the hunting world, that's more people than it isn't. And, yeah, you know, so when we're looking at the size tractor. That it's all like you said, it's it's really all about the implements, and choosing your implements is going to be based on how quickly you want to get the work done. So that's going to be a different exactly. answer for P, all kind. You know, everybody's going to have a different scenario, and that's something you just got to think about your own unique situation. Right. And and,
2: and you. also, I throw something else in there. It's also about what type of budget you have. Sure. You know, you got some people. You know, I can put you in a one series tractor, the loader, and a bush hog basically for the same price as a 3-series tractor is tractor and loader.
0: That's a good segue into talking about, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I want the best tractor for the money. That's what I want. You know, I want right. I want to get the best tractor I can get based on my budget. And so a lot of times that pushes people into the used market because they mm-hmm. can, they feel like they can get a bigger tractor or a, you know, a tractor with more horsepower, for the same money as what they get a, a a new smaller tractor for. Like you said, reliability is a really big thing. When, when you've got one weekend to get something done, you don't want to spend half the day trying to get your tractor cranked, or if it won't crank, hauling it to the dealership and and figuring out what's wrong. And hopefully they got parts. And so all those things from, from a, a service perspective are important because eventually you are going to have a day where you're going to have to bring that tractor in, get something fixed. It's just inevitable. But when you're talking about the best tractor for the money, why would somebody choose a used tractor over a new tractor or vice versa? I mean, what's your price? Cause y'all, y'all sell both. So, I mean, what is the, right? what's the, when somebody walks in and they're trying to get the best tractor for their money, what, what goes into your thought process as far as buying used versus buying new?
2: Well, first question I asked them, are they going to write me a check if they're going to find it? If they're going to finance and I try to explain to them, I can sell you a new tractor. Depending on what tractor they're looking at, and depending on the cost of the tractor. I could technically buy sell you a new tractor, three, say three to four thousand, maybe five thousand dollars higher than a used one, finance, and your payments will be the same or even cheaper, just because we have the zero percent financing. Versus if you go for a used tractor, you know, sometimes it depends on your credit, anywhere from four point two five to eight percent. And if you take the bottom dollar, say if the payment, the user runs you 350 and I can put you a new one for 355. What's it's a no brainer for the simple reason with the new tractor, you're going to have warranty. Plus it's a new piece of equipment. Nobody's ever wrote it. Nobody's ever used it.
0: Right. You know, you know where it's been or more importantly, where it has, you
2: know, been. where it's been. I mean, we do check our used tractors out and I mean, but you know, with a used tractor it's, like a used vehicle. You buy it, it's yours. There's no warranty with it unless there's still factual warranty on the piece of equipment. Now, we sell a lot of used, in which we've had good luck, but sometimes you do have issues. But there's, you know, we don't have take a lot of John Deere's in on trade, but we take a lot of others. And, you know, and it's just, uh, you have issues sometimes. But with the new one, you have warranty. And with warranty, you have peace of mind.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said too about, having multiple locations having a dealership close I mean you guys have what 21 locations so I mean is that is it still 21 I mean y'all are kind of all over for folks in the southeast if 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 they've got a problem they're going to be able to get it in get it fixed right Uh, parts availability you know that's another thing when you think about used tractors I mean are parts hard to come by right now? What are What's going on with regards to supply chain? You know, every everybody's been affected by the supply chain issues due to COVID. Is, is the tractor industry any different? I mean, are y'all having any trouble getting a hold of of parts and getting things done on tractors when they need a repair? John Deere parts,
2: we don't have an issue. I mean, there have been some parts that is a little bit slower, but overall, you still can get parts if it, we do have it in, Either in Illinois or up in the you can get it in overnight if you want to pay the extra freight. Normally, it takes three to four days, but no, we can still get parts where the issue runs into. Go back to a used, say if I sell a used Kubota or used Massey, I'm not one of their dealers. I'm a John Deere dealer. I don't stock their parts, so then you'll have to go to them and get them parts, and don't know if they have them, but far as sun south no i mean we have 21 locations if i don't have it here say at my character location if one of my other stores have it we can have it here in a couple days so i mean we're being affected by covid don't get me wrong we have a our inventory is not as uh, big as it has been we are you know we're tight on tractors at this that and the other but it's uh
0: it's loosening up right now it's it's like everything everything is short yeah well you know i think Mike, you've done a good job of going through the kind of questions people need to ask. I mean, if they're in the market for a tractor, period, I mean, the first thing they got to determine is do they need a subcompact, compact, or a utility tractor? And, you know, really breaking that down is all about, like you said, what size implements are you going to use? Now, the size the implements you're going to use are going to be based on the amount of acreage that you've got to deal with and the time that you've got to deal with it. Stepping up from that question, it's about really looking at maybe loader capacity could be a big thing. If somebody's got a, a special type of work in mind where they need a certain amount of loader capacity, that's certainly going to dictate what size compact tractor they'll choose and, and what, what size tractor they'll choose. And then budget, of course, is the last, is another consideration, is you got to look at how much can I spend? Am I financing this? Am I writing a check? what did we miss? What, what, what other things do people need to ask themselves if they're trying to choose a compact tractor for, for their land? I, I know you have some different types of tractors when it comes to, um, you know, as far as the compact series, y'all got some, I'm mean, explained to me a little bit more about, I've seen these tractors that are more, more built for, uh, you know, homeowners, I would say where, where they're managing a, a large acreage home site. Is there anything else that we've missed that somebody needs to think about?
2: Well, like I said, we carry the one series tractors. You probably see in the John Deere commercial about the one ten twenty three and ten twenty five R. You can technically buy that tractor with without a backhoe, a mid mount mower, basically. So it's a it's a lawnmower's got the commercial deck. So technically, you can get somebody say fifteen twenty acres, and I've sold that tractor. I mean, it beats all the needs they need to. They need a loader for a loader work to move dirt, plant flowers, whatever. Uh, they need a backhoe sometimes to dig a ditch, dig septic tanks, dig water lines, or they just want to take. And the accessibility of taking that load and back off, backhoe off, is a, just a few minutes. Then you can install your mid mount mower, where you got a commercial mower now, but it's all in one. You don't have to buy three, four different pieces. And it'll run any four foot equipment you got. I mean, we we have over a hundred different attachments, so. We can meet anybody's needs when it comes to agriculture, and we also sell the five, six, and the seven series thousand. We sell a lot of balers up here. I have a lot of hay farmers, a lot of chicken farmers in our area, so we carry different vendors We're talking about uh, chicken farmers, you know, crusters and things like that, balers and hay rakes. We carry other different vendors, so we have a lot to meet our customer needs around here and throughout Sun South. So. If there's something that we don't have, we can usually get it. So, you know, just we'd be glad to help out anybody who pops can. And I'm going to tell you another thing. It ain't always about the tractor brand. It's about the dealership. And the dealership is very important. Who's going to service you? Who's going to take care of you after the point of sale? And that's where I think Sun South, especially here at Sun South Carrollton, we, uh, we try to strive to take care of our customers. John Deere, even to our commercial guys who do commercial landscaping, commercial mowers they buy brand new commercial uh lawnmower from us uh even a homeowner if you buy a commercial more you get the free loaner program while lawnmower is under warranty you got a three-year warranty on that more so if that lawnmower tears up and i don't have you up and running in 24 hours you get a free loaner so i mean there's things
0: like that that john deere has implemented sun south has implemented we try to take care of our customers man and that is something that in this day and age, it just seems like it, it seems to get forgotten by a lot of businesses that, uh, and, and, and I think it gets forgotten by a lot of consumers as well. They forget that there's, there's a lot of things that can happen after the sale. I did think of one thing though, we didn't talk about, and this is, some, and, 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 I know Clint, my, my co-host, he couldn't join us today, but I know he would ask this question and that's cabs and AC. You know, with, right. uh, when you especially guys working hunting land, you know, nothing like a banana spider in the face to, to make you think about mm-hmm. having a cab. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about subcompacts and compact tractors, are cabs and AC an option on, on all tractors? If somebody says, nope, got to have a cab, got to have AC, how does that change your considerations for what tractor they need?
2: Well, you will go to the 3R or the 4R series tractor.
0: They have a factory installed cab
2: uh so i mean matter of fact i've I got one sold i'm waiting to come in the, the customer has he's buying a thirty thirty nine 39 cab for wheel drive loader he cannot take the elements the pollen it kills him so he's buying the cab but then again with a cab it's more expensive but to him he has to have it if he wants to operate keep his pasture cut around his pond so you know it all goes back i mean i had another gentleman who had a uh grape orchard a vineyard well he didn't want to wear the white suit when he sprayed his vines, so he bought a cab tractor from me. And to him, the 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 expense of the cab outweighed uh, the chemical spraying back on him. And just like if you got somebody allergic to bees or whatever the case might be, plus it's like this: if it's 100 degrees outside, you're gonna be in a nice cool cab. Uh, right around 65, 68 degrees. And if it's wintertime, you need to go feed the cows you need to go do something when it's 30, 25 degrees outside. You're in a nice hot cab, 70 degrees. So you see what I'm saying?
0: You can get a lot more work done when you're comfortable. That's a fact. Well, You'll be
2: surprised that the government agencies now who are buying cab tractors in times past where they wouldn't because they have found out by buying a cab tractor, these guys cutting row wages in a cab, they get more productivity for the simple reason they're in a cool environment during the summer, get more work done, less sick time in and in a warm environment in a winter time they get more productivity out, yeah. out of it.
0: Hey, when when you got that AC running in that cab, the last thing you want to do is stop and get out. So <laughs> That's right. I can see that no doubt. Well, Mike, uh, man, I think we covered it all. I think if somebody has got a compact tractor in their future, this has been a good primer on the kind of questions they need to ask. But if they want to get in touch with you at the Carrollton location or or reach out to their local Sun South and ask some of these questions and take a look at the different lineup that you guys have and, and what would work for them, what's the best way for them to contact you and check you out online? Well,
2: they can call the uh, Sun South Carrollton location at 770 770- Eight three eight nine six nine six and ask to speak to Mike. i would be glad to help him out. If not, you can go to www.sunsouth.com It has all of our locations. It has all our used inventory on there, so you can take a look at that. And it has all type of information. If I'm not mistaken, they also implement, you know, with this COVID stuff being going on, technically, you can buy a tractor or a lawnmower online, and you never have to come in the store. So, you basically, can start doing everything online now. But we would prefer you to come in so we can talk, meet, and greet, try to put you in what you need and tell you what you want.
0: And if it's somebody like me, hopefully y'all give them some lessons on how to drive one of these things without uh without ending up in the ditch.
2: Well, we do. I mean, we're not the type of – me personally, and i got two other salesmen, we, we go over with the equipment with the customer here, show them how to operate it. We actually go out when the piece of equipment is delivered, show them how to operate the proper way to operate it, show them where to check fuel, so, you know, check the oil and all that
0: so they know how to operate. Because if you don't know how to operate a
2: tractor safely, you're not going to be comfortable
0: with. Well, Mike, it has been a pleasure, man. I appreciate you answering all my all my questions and I hope people will uh check you guys out if they're in the market. And we'll uh we'll reach back out to you the next time we've got another tractor question and uh and see what's new for twenty twenty two once things start rolling that way. We appreciate you joining us. Well, I appreciate it. And just remember one thing nothing runs like a deer. Well, folks, that is going to wrap it up this week and we want to make it easy for you guys to listen as soon as our new shows are ready. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you. All you have to do is text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, the word hunting that's with a G and I know, I know some of you Alabama guys were like hunting like no G no, it's with a G to 773-770-4377 to join our email list And as always, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps us keep the show going. Hope you guys stay safe out there. We will talk to you next week. This week's Hunt and Land podcast has been brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 717 706 And also SunSouth. Own the best for less. Visit SunSouth for quality John Deere equipment you've been dreaming of. Or visit SunSouth.com. SunSouth, for those that do. And also brought to you by Farm Credit of Northwest Florida. For over 100 years, they've helped people just like you explore your options so you can apply with confidence and get started living your dream in the country. Check them out at... GoRural.net or give them a call at 855-GORURAL. This week's show has been brought to you by Joe Baia and Clint Flowers, members of the top producing team at National Land Realty, the fastest growing and most innovative land brokerage in the nation. Bottom line, we know land and now is a great time to buy or sell. Want to know why? Shoot us an email at pros@landhunting.com or call us at 855 NLR Land. And also by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Great Days Outdoors Magazine guides you on hunting and fishing south of the Mason Dixon. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.